the fake man dan <laughs> and that fake podcast was it the fake podcast yeah the fake untitled podcast as a matter of fact oh the fake untitled podcast right yes. that's it yes indeed okay <laughs> yeah we kind of do general so, science and that sort of thing and uh kind of take it from a more right-leaning perspective because basically there's not really i mean there's you but there's uh there's you and there's like a handful of grifters and then there's the couple of people that go on alex jones that even lean slightly to the right that have any kind of uh opinion on science so somebody's kind of got to tackle that uh yeah i agree 100 percent. and what we're i mean that was just illustrated very very disturbingly the last week where science which is one of the premier uh, journals for the world right every library carries science triple uh, as and uh they had a full page editorial telling their audience which is scientists vote biden oh, now yeah. i've uh, well i'm not going to say it's unprecedented because a few months prior to that, science, nature, all ran uh, op-eds uh, telling scientists around the world to uh, strike for George Floyd and more equality in the sciences. Mm-hmm. And well, from my perspective, they've, they've stepped out of their... Uh, they're around their, their wheelhouse and are no longer a, a reliable source. It means that all their studies are tainted. Well, they're right? subverted, gonna... I mean, to, to put it plainly. Very much so. And so um, science that is going to tend towards the controversial, and it doesn't matter which way you lean on the, the spectrum for uh, controversial Oh, yeah, it's basically just the consensus, be it left or right, is just yes. you better you better fall down the line or you're some sort of crazy, mad scientist and or idiot. Mm. Uh, oh, oh, and actually dangerous. Oh, right, right they, of course. They will, they will come after you because they're not, they want that consensus opinion held where, you know, I, I mean, I could see it happening when I began my science career and I, I can remember my professors who guided me through the undergraduate and graduate process, them sort of complaining that it was getting worse. And this was before the real uptake of the network computing that everyone's used to. And, you know, you still had to go down the library to get your references and you'd have to photocopy the reference that you were interested in, etc. It was a much slower, more sedate, uh, way of doing things, but uh, in in a way, I kind of miss the uh, probably the more freeform speech and opinions that were able to be banded around back then. Yeah, in its way, this uh, our communication and our uh, connectedness has, uh, for good and ill, for good and ill, it's it has put us all together. I've said this before. We've basically, um, we've gotten access to the Akashic Record, but we never expected that it would have all the lies, too. Uh, yeah, very much. And the... Uh, again, I, I, I'm short of answers in this 
in these conditions i mean what all, all i can do is just say wait hang on a minute it is wrong it shouldn't be uh it should, science shouldn't be working in this fashion and somehow we need to turn around this uh titanic battleship whichever ship floats your boat <laughs> excuse oh, the pun and um yeah i'm i'm dismayed by where we've come uh in 20 years right and you know because i could see the change you know i lived through that change where everything started going online and the and the universities started to get more and more subverted and the stem fields were isolated and insulated somewhat but they're in the process of falling and a good example I can give is the Society for Neuroscience. They have uh, a diversity leader now who's, um, you know, they've sent round uh, reminders that, you know, and they want you to fill out surveys and they're, and they're intruding into the business of a lab where these, these things don't belong. And, you know, I'm a... That's the last place they belong, as a matter of fact. Yeah. You need yeah. a critical mind, not critical theory. Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, by all metrics, critical theory has been shown to be a failure. Uh, give me, I challenge anyone to give me an example of where it's worked, and it's worked consistently across multiple uh, domains. No, it the does. only place it does. Well, it's, so, it is good at subverting the West. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, mission accomplished then. Um, right. But, I mean, we'll leave that explanation to Yuri. He's better at explaining it anyway. Uh, Yuri is the uh, guest Bresmanoff? speaker? Uh, no, Bresmanov. Uh, oh, Yuri Bresmanov. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and, you, you know, to think that he, 30 years ago, sort of nailed this. Oh, laid out uh, the groundwork. This cross. Yeah. I just laid it out step by step, and I mean, we can yeah. we can watch and just lay each of those on a timeline. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Oh, but um, something I think you'll be very interested in. We were talking about this actually just on our last show. Here is the replicability, replicability, or replicability. I don't know which one it is. Mm. The the mm. replicability crisis in yeah just across science. Well, look, I have I have a particular take on that, and um, I do not like that Stanford guy, Ioannidis, um, because he made very, very sweeping statements about science, where I think the criticism was should have been more precise, okay, and particularly where people are using methodologies every day. And for him to be saying fifty percent of science is non-reproducible, um, if you did, if you scratch down into that, it's more, it's more the sort of small-scale clinical studies where the ends are low, or the or things like psychology, where the, that has proved the problem. But where things are more quantitative, um, I don't see a reproducibility issue, right? chemistry works here or in the united states well i um, think a lot of this gets into the social sciences like where there yeah, are and... very real issues and very bad science As a matter of fact i'll link you up something directly here that uh, my co-host got for me to follow up on last week from uh, fantastic anachronism specifically about social scientists and 
how to fix it, as it were. Uh, what's wrong with social science and how to fix it? And like I say, this sort of fits with what I was saying that the uh, Ioannidis plus one paper, um, it, it should have been 50% replication issue in this domain or these domains, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it doesn't apply to the sphere that I work in. Well, the hard sciences, neuroscience. basically. Yeah, hard sciences. I mean, there's there's um, ambiguity at the edges, but um, that's how you get to the data and how you interpret it. But this whole uh, th the phenomenon is there if you want to go and look for it and have the equipment. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand here and say uh, he was wrong with you know, pointing to the social sciences. Um, but the, my problem is, is that people have picked up on that and used it to sort of bash all science mm. and the, I see where you're coming from with that. Uh, it's a, uh, well, you know where I've had a problem with it, where, by d trying to deal with people who want to engage in the fantasy of viruses, not being real. Okay. I and can imagine. <laughs> they these people have a whole bunch of talking points that they've got memorized uh i and i did and that plus one paper sits squarely in the middle without realizing that it's uh well you, you're it's the wrong tool for the job at, at, at hand and you know the there's been two two issues that have bothered me this last year one is the flippant dismissal. No, it's not even dismissal. I would I would say it's the concerted effort by people who are uh, being less than honourable in dismissing the idea that SARS-CoV-2 has a lab-based origin. The second is what appears to almost, in my mind, look like a concerted psychological operation to undermine the the public to distrust um even the most fundamental things that we've you know like no viruses did you have no idea how how my inbox looks most days actually last couple of weeks it's sort of calmed down a bit but i imagine with uh andrew kaufman being beamed to trafalgar square um it'll it'll start picking up Oh yeah, and we should. Uh, I should actually bother to go into this since I haven't. This is Doctor Kevin McCarran for anyone that's uh, listening in on my podcast because I've been a terrible host and completely forgot to introduce him. <laughs> so it's just it's the best. The best uh, streams are where it's like just a conversation. Absolutely right, and um, don't don't worry about that. So yeah, if people want to find me, uh, yeah, no worries. Links uh, will be below. And uh, I'm I'm eminently reachable, and unlike Andrew Kaufman, I won't charge you a thousand dollars an hour uh, to uh, give you uh, opinion or help. And actually, I just want to put something out that came up. This sure. is and, just a personal call that out to said my... too. Uh, anyone who's going to be listening to me is probably not going to be familiar with Andrew Kaufman. So if you want, feel free to give a oh. real quick uh, yeah. dossier. <laughs> Sure. Uh, so I'm 
minding my own business. Well, no, I hadn't been minding my own business. I'd, I'd already been engaging in sort of chats on discords about the what it what a pandemic means etc and i was um and what i was coming up against was sort of uh it was actually more sort of chinese anti or sort of propaganda to try to try to sort of point the finger away from anything that would be happening in china this was in the december january as things were beginning to ramp up and as i'm sort of watching this uh what comes across my radar was, uh, and I can't remember how it got across my desk. It was, anyway, because I don't watch him, but it was Richie from Boston stream. I, I really, really dislike the guy. Maybe someone just sent me a link saying this, this oh, a virus is real. Might have just even been something like that. And uh, I listened to this man Andrew Kaufman, who is a psychiatrist, uh, not very prolific one, who um, has a sketchy past. Uh, he had his license suspended for uh, stealing uh, Amazon gift coupons that were supposed to be used for payment towards people engaging in scientific studies. And I want to say that that happened at Duke, maybe, medical school. But anyway, he got off to a shaky start and um, then basically became involved in inventions of anti-suicide devices. And as someone who worked in the law, a uh, an advocate pushing for red flag laws. Okay, well, that's and creepy. Yes, yeah, very much. And now he suddenly turned into this mouthpiece for the uh, the resistance in the United States to the idea that there's a pandemic coming and there's a zeitgeist in the U.S., which is always uh, it's part of the revolutionary mindset and that the government's coming to, to take you away to the FEMA camp, etc. I mean, there's many, many ways of sort of slicing and dicing that particular um, sausage of the American psyche. Um, but anyway, the, the point being, he gets on to, he comes from absolutely nowhere. I've never heard of him before. And Richie from Boston is one of those big truther channels that you've, you'll come across sort of, uh, if you're into that uh, element of the conspiratorial. And I sit there and watch this man try and explain to people how viruses are not real. And in doing so, he uses electron microscopy as an example to try and show. Uh, first, he shows bacteriophages, which mm-hmm. are viruses, by the way, as uh, having a. Uh, sorry? Oh, basically, yeah. It's more complicated than that. As a matter of fact, we went into bacteriophages and talked about, uh, I don't know if you're aware, there's a modified bacteriophage that actually attacks uh, SARS-1. Oh, really? Yes, (laughs) effectively. It's Uh, absolutely fascinating. It was genetically modified to do the task. uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, the things they're doing with these molecular kits is um, always, always sort of leaves me 
not shocked, but you know, we were able to do amazing things. And but anyway, uh, Kaufman goes on to say that um, the the bacteriophage, as they see here, and then the uh, the coronavirus that is showed. So basically, it shows a bacteria with lots of corona viruses on it. And I wonder if I can just uh, find that picture because it does come from UCSF, and that'll come up on my screen. But um, and he showed that the bacteriophage clings to the. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh yeah, there it is. So I'm bringing it up on my screen. And so it's basically a bacteria, got a whole bunch of bacteriophages on it. And he shows that as a bacteria infected with viruses. Okay. And by using that example, he then goes on to say, looking at a single sort of coronavirus or a couple of coronaviruses, literally the one from uh, Wikipedia, that that was a human cell and the spike glycoproteins coming off the uh the, the the virus itself was the equivalent of the bacteriophages uh, on the previous image from UCSF and the bacteriophage and is it, it, it was such a high school error that i couldn't i couldn't believe what i was listening to and i, I would have probably ignored it had the um Richie from Boston had 50 viewers, etc. But these were literally hundreds of thousands of... Uh, I, I don't know how big his audience really is, but you know, he's been churning out videos for a long time. And he's um, he then starts pushing this idea that this pandemic is entirely fake and it's being used to push towards uh, the, uh, the one world government. Now, you know, I would say that there's an argument. You can have an argument. Well, actually, let me just interject directly there and say, uh, in the immortal words of Rahm Emanuel, you never let a crisis go to waste. Exactly. And, um, you know, we had a long discussion yesterday uh, about this. And, you know, I'm not averse to the idea that they would... um, that they had contingency plans in place for such uh, an event like this happening. And that's one theory. I tend to side with uh, what I think is parsimoniously the more simple explanation in that um, the Chinese, in conjunction with the People's Liberation Army and through our own stupidity and funding and corruption and the grift of scientists in the West um, and the they went on hunting missions to find these uh, viruses and it's in a sense went to look for the problem right and in effect they need the problem uh, in order to sort of justify the money that they're getting and the money that they are getting is an obscene amount well yeah it can absolutely be argued the uh is it really ethical to do all these gain of function experiments on all these various things that probably will never actually evolve to such a state on their own? Like, are we not Mm. just making weapons just to make weapons? 
Maybe that's yes, not the best uh, yes, analogy, uh, yes, but, you know, you, you get yes what I'm and saying. No. So if, if you asked me as a scientific pursuit, should we be making specific manipulations to try to understand uh, properties to this microbial world? I, as a scientist, I don't have a problem with that. What I'm having a problem with is how... Um, how the public are being abused by multiple <laughs> groups or networks of individuals. And like I say, whether it's cranks like Kaufman, who's going around telling people, and he picked up massive um, signal boosts at the beginning. And it wasn't until he was um, on the Billy Ray Valentine show. So shout out to TFR. But Billy Ray Valentine was the first um, presenter or someone who was interviewing him who did he wasn't going to softball him, and um, and I'd been trying for, for probably a couple of months of trying to raise awareness. So every podcast that he went on, I would write to that podcast and say, please, you need a counter rebuttal to the things that he's saying, because it's so obviously wrong. And I would just get silence. And uh, I want to shout out to John Grisham as well, uh, because he helped. He was trying to help set up a debate with um, with Kaufman to, to say, because he kept saying, I'll debate my theory, his theory being one of uh, terrain theory. And um, the um, and they were trying to do it with the Billy Ray Valentine show. I agreed, and um, he ran away. And Billy Ray, to his credit, and I I hadn't even known this, um, had done some good due diligence and found that Andrew Kaufman had a, a shiny new website. And on the strength of him getting hundreds of thousands of views, had begun a uh, medical consulting business where Ooh. if you needed health advice from him, uh, the minimum or well, the minimum was uh, $750. But that was absolute basic. You wouldn't take it right, because it was in no way a functioning package. So you were literally forced to go to the thousand dollar package for one hour of, of a consultation and uh, a diary which with which to note your progress and I want to say one some emails and then it went up to 1750 and you know sort of, sort of built yeah built packages up like that and and Billy That's, Ray just what a grift wow yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fucking amazing, right? And I, I, mean, I couldn't you, believe you gotta that. you got to respect the game, at least on some level. Uh, yeah, I guess it takes some it I takes mean, it, some that, balls. That, I mean, y'all some fucking real stones on that one. Wow. <laughs> um, Hutzpah, I think. Is yes, the, yeah, I think the, that's exactly <laughs> the word for it. He's, um, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's, um, but the thing is, he does come from the tribe, and... Um, you know, his emblem on his website is a, uh, what do you call it? The sort of tree of life, uh, Sephiroth. It's a sort of idealized Sephiroth, 
etc. And um, oh, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, the yeah. um, the Kabbalah uh, oh, Tree of Life. Yeah, it's, yes, yeah, and um, uh, so I've just got a I guess comment. he's shouting out a particular. Uh, well, no, what what's the term that's ever so popular? Is dog whistling? Yes, dog, dog whistling. whistling. Yeah, yeah, and well, I, I guess it's trying to make sure that his channel stays open and he got a seven day ban recently for impersonation but the thing is he's picked up enough of a crowd now that it is uh, it is self-sustaining mm. and it's enough for him to uh, obviously make a good living how many consultations do you need to make a month uh, to make sure your bills paid not many a thousand dollars an hour yeah no right. um, so again shout out to um, John Brissom and Billy Ray Valentine for actually getting him into a position where, and this was right at the peak where people in the Bronx, uh, in New York, so that's the poorer end of the people that are living there. Those are the people that are confined to the public transport system were basically falling over left, right, and center. Okay. And, and they were clearly doing a Billy thing Ray. That was a horror show. Yeah, and Billy Ray was seeing that. He was seeing that and have this man come on his show and basically tell Billy Ray that uh, his eyes were lying to him. <laughs> and mm. thank the Lord that, you know, Billy Ray had the patience to have him sort of um, walk himself into a corner. And then Billy Ray went in and just said, you're charging X, Y, Z and... Um, you know, a lot of the complaint against a sort of allopathic medicine would be that it, it it's there to keep you uh, hooked to their drugs, etc. Therapies, and that's a grift as well. And that's you know that's a conversation we can have uh, um, because that's a matter of fact. I'm seeing uh, someone in your chat that's mentioning that uh, he was selling some sort of IV that was a cancer curing uh, miracle. No, that was so. That was another one who I was going after. Um, no, I didn't really go after. So one was Rashid Buttar, mm -hmm. and uh, he he grifted real big off the first pandemic movie, and basically he would sell uh, treatments of autism for vaccine injury, and was basically selling these IV drips uh, with um, uh, what do you call it EDTA. Oh. Uh, collating agent in it what? and basically was saying that um, well he he would even you know patients uh, and parents whose children had been injured by va vaccines and that's this is an important part of the discussion vaccines in some instances cause harm not all the time but they do Okay, and it's you know we kind of weigh the cost. Absolutely, but, I'm um, wanting to actually do a, a whole show on that because it's such a heated topic, and I'd love for you to come back to actually just talk about that specifically if that's something you're interested in. Uh, I mean, I I can, I can, and I can try. I mean, I literally sit on the um, air on the side of caution with vaccines. I find it astonishing that in the United States that. Um, by the time the child has reached time to get into kindergarten, they've had upwards close close to, I'd say, 72 shots, 74 shots. And although 
a, a science investigation would say, well, we've looked at MMR, it didn't seem to do anything. And there was one sketchy study in monkeys which appeared to show something, but there's no study as far as I'm aware, and this needs to be done with any and all vaccines because it's never been double-blinded. Okay, we're just assuming that the, the small uh, population studies that they do are reflective of the larger population. But what they need to do is they need ongoing studies of baby primates because that's the closest we can get. But I'm a, lot, I'm a very strong advocate of using primates and having these primates go through or a control group go through the whole vaccine schedule that we are uh, subjecting our children to. And as a scientist, you need to demonstrate to me that you've followed the scientific method and not be reliant on uh, a, a vaccine claims court that is um, that's funded by the taxpayer. <laughs> that's like we've reached point a peak absurdity, and the, the same is happening with the SARS vaccine right now. And um, <laughs> Jigs. Uh, in our comments says, I denied my daughter Gardasil and taught abstinence while cleaning my gun. Uh, salute to you, sir. <laughs> and uh, it's precisely uh, the plan I'm going to use. Personal responsibility. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, um, you know, that a lot of what these people are doing are taking discussions where there, there needs to be, you know, they're heated discussions and they're ruining it by bringing people, uh, the terrainers in, who have a very specific ideology that they're trying to push as well. And it's nothing, it's nothing unique or new. By, by saying terrain theory, they're basically just implying healthy tissue. Right? The healthier your tissue is, the harder it is to get infected. Okay? And the the goal of sort of public health program should be to lift as many people towards health as possible. I think vaccines can have a role to play in that. But the American system of, I'm not saying it's forced vaccination, but there's a lot of pressure on people for the, the kindergartens to, uh, to have vaccine you know for your child to go in to have vaccines etc and these are ways of what would you say coercing coercing young parents into having treatments it is a treat interventions that perhaps we're unsure of the cumulative effect are and... you familiar with dr robert sears no uh, he's a doctor out of, uh, I want to say, Urbana, Illinois. He uses, well, he claims to have had zero incidents of autism in his treatment of kids, and he uses a modified vaccine schedule. He extends yeah. it out over a much longer period, and never. I don't think he gives any of the multi-shots and does each of the uh, vaccine schedules individually to give the, yeah. uh, the body time to to uh, adjust from what I understand. Mm. And his claim mm. is that he's been able to avoid largely any incident of autism in any of his uh, children. Mm. Charges. And I, guess. I, I would say this. So with my children, my firstborn daughter 
I I did the same. They were all spaced out, individual vaccines, and she had what I considered the minimum, which was diphtheria, measles, mumps, rubella, and I think tetanus. Um, and I, I about stopped there. My middle son, you could see he would come back from vaccines and he would just be zombified and be dribbling. And so I stopped. I said, okay, that's obviously not doing him any good. Sure. And my third child, who was very premature, um, I haven't given any vaccines to. Um, it'll be up to him when he's uh, um, when he's adult. And you know, I'm I'm of the opinion that vaccines are a miracle. If you live in the Sudan, and measles is taking out one third of your newborns a year. Right. You might want to have a vaccine to hand or a functional polio vaccine because you're suffering paralytic polio in 20 percent of your children right? who don't have access to uh, the critical care f- facilities in, in the West that we do. But um, I, I, I do think in 99.9 percent of the cases that um, acute care in the West of allopathic medicine would would most likely get you through any sort of crisis with a uh, infectious um, how do you say uh, disease and the um, like I said I'm not I'm not I want good vaccines right and and the other thing that I would like is that the if there's damage, that there is a, a a way to get compensation, right? And the problem is in the US, it's just a very uh, messed up system right now. Oh, you would and be I keep hard speak- pressed to get any kind of compensation from that, much less someone to even acknowledge that a problem exists to be compensated in the first place. Right. And the thing is, uh, right now, this is my understanding of the US, is that um, should you have a reaction to a vaccine, um, you've got to get brain scans and some sort of proof within a week of the vaccine, something like that. Now, in a child that can't talk, um, the how do you know? Right. Might, and it's crying a lot. You know, if you're a parent, kids yeah. cry. Yeah, as, if, um, as the parent, you might know because you can see the difference. But, I mean, that's that's you with your baby, mm, and that's mm, going to be very subjective. So, I mean, how yeah. are you going to get someone from the state to uh, know or believe, for that matter? Yeah. And the, th- the thing is, <laughs> there's a grift going on there because every injection that's sold, the doctor, that's a little uh, bit towards his yacht. Or, you know, they're paying off of his debts. Well, I mean, we can just look at how the Saddlers fucked America with opiates. Here, have have more. More. No, 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 no. You need more. You don't need less. You don't need treatment. You need more opiates. And, you know, how how did something like, you know, when did codeine not be sufficient for most chronic pain? This is this is what people need to ask. And so just because they patented a delivery system that could give 
uh, a much higher, uh, I mean, literal uh, diamorphine, but released slowly. And to think that that was going to be safe once people realized <laughs> they could just uh, crush it up and uh, either snort it or whack it into a vein. Um, to think that that would be a good idea. And something like uh, codeine, which is a much safer, well-tolerated um, compound, would have done just as well, right? And had for how long? You know, quite some while. I mean, it, it had done for quite some while, at least. I mean, codeine, even in abusers, codeine mm. has been a thing since, I'm going to say, at least the 80s. Oh, I mean, it's, it's always been there. I, I mean, the well, I mean, obviously from morphine, you you went. I want to say, in the thirties, they made a whole bunch of analogs. Now, maybe it was even before. Let me just check that. But uh, heroin, I think, was a oh, that's yeah, diamorphine. That's yeah, and I, I want to say I that was say early twenties. Offhand, I could be completely uh, wrong though. Coding uh, discovery, and it might even just be a uh, it was discovered in 1832 by Pierre Jean Robiquet. And well, let's just see what Wikipedia has to say about it. I wonder if it's a natural component of the plant that has to go through some um, uh some metabolism to make it active. Who uh, uses chemistry? Let's see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what? Why is the U.S. having a opioid epidemic in the nineteen nineties, two thousands? I mean, it doesn't. You know, all that is 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 them making a uh, finding another market, and it was enough for them to. Well, it's uh, it's serving a role. It's a new medicine. Everyone's getting kickbacks and making money on it. And it it just got out of control. And this comes down to, again, and like I say, I love the United States. I do. I wish I was sitting there, but I, usually Montana or Idaho is my sort of, was my dream to end up being in. But um, the, the fact that you can take uh, uh, something as pernicious as uh, the oxycodone and then substitute all those other working medications and have that be the primary go-to pain medication from, uh, you know, a bad back to a, a broken bone. It didn't make any sense. And so that's kind of indicating that you, your your system is broken. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And I, I would I would extend that further to if I if I look at the US right now, um, I've made the argument that in in winning the Cold War and uh, the blind trust to the idea of free markets and how the free market magically fixes all and what the free market needs is. Um, indulging, uh, indul rewarding and indulging uh, people's desires. And I think that's become distorted. And I would argue that the US right now is very much in the situation that the Soviet 
Union was in the late 80s as the uh, move towards the Berlin Wall uh, was coming down. And it came down because of the contradictions of the system and under which it found itself. And right now, the the U.S. is um, it's struggling with the contradictions of its own of its own systems and ideologies. So, using the example we spoke about earlier, which was that gentleman uh, from Nebraska, uh, where that story went. But you know, there was a man who uh, was doing the, what should be the birthright of every the American, American ideal. I mean, he he was the very model of what a successful American citizen should be a veteran. Mm. You know, he comes back, he starts a business. Mm. That's, I mean, that is the American story. Yeah. And now gets dragged through the courts. He's, he's chased by uh, the Marxist insurrection mob. And, you know, I'm, I'm, well, uh, I find suicide a difficult topic to sort of navigate around. I've lost my best friend to suicide and um sometimes i often think of it as a, a selfish thing to do um but i agree if he if he feels that the his country had disintegrated to such a point that he he would do that to himself uh yes the the uh, well, to i give would it a say little bit more context too i mean it's not just that i mean it's what was coming down on the guy they were looking to give him about a some kind of million dollar uh bail they were trying to throw mm. the book at him and he had been indicted so the charges were going to come through he was going to go to jail despite the fact mm. that this had initially been ruled as a self-defense shooting so mm. i uh, mean they 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 completely upended the man's life after having promised that after telling the man he did nothing wrong, they then go yeah. back and just completely turn that on its head and not only say you you did completely wrong, and not only that, you know, you uh, you have to pay for the sins of all your people, really. Yeah, and it, it's something I, I, I keep speaking to. You know, I, I started this channel talking about, say, the grifters, etc., but it's it's pivoting away as we've, you know, we've learned the biology of SARS-CoV-2 and um, we can get into the, uh, the more ugly side of how people are using it. But um, I'm spending more and more of my time and that's because of the circumstances of the riots of basically making social commentary on, uh, on the United States and this, like I say, a country I hold very dear. I had very uh, wonderful time there. I, I wish I would. I literally wish I'd been able to stay there. Um, well, we were once the shining and, city on the hill, and yeah. there, yeah. there is still that glimmer. And there are those that would rebuild the fallen pillars that held us there. But you know, there are the other ones that are notching away and burning down those pillars at almost mm. the same rate as they're being rebuilt. Yeah, and again, it's it's come. I would urge people to look at the contradictions that come from the uh, the ideology that would give such wealth disparity. And I know that science sounds a little communistic in its in in saying that, but you know, we had a well. The very, U.S. Very good used dis- to 
crush monopolies. I mean, because, well, to put it simply in my own point of view, is that the free market is a good thing in and of itself, but it needs to be tempered because, like anything on this earth, it's run by people. People can just be shitty. People are greedy, and they can just be awful. So you need someone there that can just put... Well, this is what checks and balances are for. I mean, that's why America was able to survive so long as it has, because of the built-in systems to relieve those pressures and, you know, put accountability where it is supposed to exist. Much of that has been dismantled, which is incredibly unfortunate, and has really done the whole world a deal of harm. But, you know, it, it, we're kind of trying to fix it. I'm, I have some hope. Well, I mean, I, as sad as it sounds, um, I'm, I'm almost coming round to the idea of the accelerationists that um, it's perhaps use this opportunity to let the the the, the system the, tell me a system that isn't corrupted in the west okay uh, that's and, a fair point right and so um instead of trying to patch it is to let it fail and then we can see the failures let the failures be that visible for there for everyone to see and say we have to stop this happening again and if that comes down to us um being more circumspect with uh, who we make our allies, our business partners. Um, and the nature of and I, alliances, for that matter. And his, I sit very much on the spectrum of uh, nationalist. I, you know, I've got records going back that prove I put my money where my mouth was a long time ago and I got docs before it was cool, right? Because... I was offended at the idea of um, English girls being mass gang raped by uh, Muslims in the yeah, UK. We haven't even touched on any of the issues that are specific to the UK, but there are there's such a laundry list of things that have gone completely mm. wrong just at a base level with the social contract in mm. the UK. Like there, yeah, it, and it's all broken down. Yeah, and I, I would say that what's happening in the U.S. right now is basically what happened in the U.K. 30, 40 years ago. The problem is in, in America, you've, you've still they've got to break that uh, that element of the in, individual, the idea, the idea of uh, going again or, or being viscerally opposed. Sorry, American exceptionalism. Yes, yeah, and the, you know, there's a, a distinct mistrust of the uh, anything that would be considered collectivism or communitarianism etc and rightly so I, I'm I'm fully uh, I'm fully on board with that um, but I, th I think that has to work within national boundaries right and that's what I would want for the UK and I think because I live in Japan right now and Japan is a nice place to live. You know why? Because it has pretty free markets. I can go and, if I wanted to, if I had the money, I could go shopping, get pretty much 
anything that I want, even though we're living on the edge of the world. But the, it's a safe uh, place to live. And yes, you could walk home a... with what you just bought. Yeah, yeah. And we could no s- one's going to do it. We could, say, uh, we could safely say that all the schools in Japan are basically good schools. Yeah, yeah. And they have him. not been subverted at him. yet. At him. Mm. Um, there is no uh, push for tranny story hour at um, five years old. There's no push for sex education to uh, young children. There's no, um, there's very much, uh, it's how I remember the UK being 40 years ago. Well, I mean, and it's, I'm hoping, it's how well, I remember the US being not even, not even that. I mean, I got, when I was in elementary school, there was the nearest we might learn something about that would be, you know, something we might go over in a book and then it's going to need some context. Mm. But there yeah. was, there was none of that. Now, middle school, I think it was starting to get in, but then it was, it was your classic, you know, the boys go to the, watch the video, the girls go watch the other video and, you know, then you get some lessons about, uh. Well, at that point, it was STDs because uh, VD was out of style by then. But you know, you get the yeah. idea. Yeah, and, and and it's just gotten real creepy and real weird. About the middle '90s, I'd say was yeah. kind of when you really saw that kind of sink its teeth into the earlier education. Yeah. Well, I th- I think that came with the hyperconnectivity of the internet, where you know. Deviancy generally is self-contained in isolated communities, right? It's it's hard for it to get out and, you know, the impact on people is going to be minimal, especially once it's established they know who is doing... Well, uh, look at the old stories of Hollywood. Hollywood has been Hollywood forever. And we've all basically known it's all the open secret... And I don't think we need to go into specifically what open secret, because we all know that almost 99% of every single living thing in Hollywood is a complete degenerate. Mm. Yeah. But that's how they get you, right? And I, I've always made the point that in in a culture where the material needs are taken care of so efficiently, you need some way to uh, hook your... Uh, your talent you need adventure right and you can't you can't do it like eastern germany through fear so what do you do you start indulging people their their peccadilloes and their um wants and needs and often what you find is is that most people have uh damage somewhere in their psyche and you know there's a lot of i'm not going to tend to be an expert in in psychodynamic theory and sort of but there's a neuroscience of reward okay and it's a, a um strapped well, it's, onto it's that been basic quite refined and tied yes. directly into propaganda and media and propaganda isn't even really a thing anymore it's just called marketing yeah yeah and it's a way and you voluntarily take it right because you go to that content Right. The reason that people are listening to us is because they've made a conscious choice to listen to something that that appeals to them at an intellectual and emotional level. Now, that that's 
if you want a better expression, want to weaponize it, that's what the marketeers done. And once you start getting that big data with huge numbers that they you know, they did start doing with mass advertising campaigns, etc., then they start building databases. They know what does and doesn't work, and then they refine it in ever more uh, spectacular and subtle ways. And um, I, again, I don't I don't have answers to these except perhaps be aware and you know i'm i'm not the best example right you know my kids play tablet too much um but then i also see the benefits of them being very computer literate if i think back to how i was at that age well we come back to my earlier completely esoteric comment i mean we're all connected to the akashic record right we're we're all tied in we're we're one mind we're one people now and unfortunately, we've got a lot of crazies. And double, unfortunately, we're not doing anything about it anymore. So they're infecting this group consciousness that could be the greatest boon of mankind mm. with drivel, madness, and bile. And we're rewarding them. Indeed. Indeed so we you... are. <laughs> so and defending them, the... for that matter. So you you can it's quite okay for you to go and kick in the storefront and you know I'm no fan of gross commercialism, but the people the people that are doing it and coming out with handfuls of uh, training shoes that probably only cost a couple of dollars to make anyway, are um, in a sense they're they're victims of this very very well honed machinery that gets into their mind and makes and gives importance to these uh, trinkets. frivolous items. Trinkets and bottles. Yeah, trinkets. Yeah. And, um, and, and, those, and those that are in control of it, they're, they're literally laughing all the way to the bank and uh, you're enabling their... Um, if, if there's substance to the idea of pandemic the substance to the idea that you're going to be uh, constrained to smart cities in green new smart cities where your uh, social score is going to uh, impact the uh, availability of services to you. Okay, You're helping them every step of the way by engaging in, in this uh, in this dialectic at the moment and I'm one of the things I say every day I stream nearly every day I try to and up from the beginning I've been warning people do not get in do not physically get involved in this first wave right because even with SARS-CoV-2 with it seeming seemingly hopefully going away and hilariously um there was a article from Bill Gates, and it it almost comes across as a, a Dratit article, right? Like Dratit, we underestimated the utility of masks to uh, halt the the spread of infection. Oh, because on, that, I th I on that exact note, uh, it was, an, I believe, Robert Redford, the American CDC director, just mm. recently said. I know I'm going to quote him wrong, but I'm going to try and paraphrase it right that masks oh what was it 
a vaccine is good, but masks are our best tool. Mm. I mean, is that not yeah. patently ridiculous? Like, obviously, the uh, vaccine is the key to this. I mean, masks are great, sure. But we want to get people an immunity. Uh, well, you, you have to get immunity. So here's so this is a discussion that's complex, and it has you have to be careful about which facet you catch on to first to get to something according to a base uh, base reality. Now, I've I said from the beginning, and another thing that sort of pulled me off my couch to be speaking publicly was not just the likes of Kaufman, but was the uh, very um, over nonsensical response of the uh, CDC and the Surgeon General standing up in front of the American public and saying, you do not need masks, right? While at the same time, what they what they were doing was trying to grab every bit of PPE that they could for the uh, first line services. And I think this whole thing could have gone radically different if he'd stood up there and said, we're not sure what this thing is coming out of China. Um, and I'm pretty sure as much as the records show that there was a release back in October, it was probably known at the higher levels that that was the case. It should have just been honesty. Absolutely. Of everything. Well, I mean, and, you look at South Korea and you look at Taiwan. You look at Taiwan specifically. They did this right because they intrinsically distrust the Chinese, as well any sane nation should. And yep. they well, locked down immediately, and they were completely honest with their people. Hey, we've got this thing going on. We don't know what it is. We know it's deadly, and we know you need to do the right thing. So let's show you a couple things that you can do to help. I mean, that, that's that just was, reasonable. Yeah, and that those steps weren't taken in the in the U.S. in the West, and in that vacuum came the terrain grifters. Okay, and that started to fill up the uh, the the mind bubble gum that you scroll through on YouTube. Right? I mean, we're all sort of all of us listening to this. If you're not stuck with a bullshit job or you're out of the working uh populace like myself um you you're you're at the bottom so, and what do we do we watch streams and stuff on youtube right and I mean, even <laughs> me i'm completely cut off from you know the uh i'm i am what you would call a cord cutter the only media i get that's modern media is either from youtube from a stream, which, I mean, that's not really, or from the radio. And the radio yeah. is, that's all local, and local news is generally actually news. Yeah. I mean, there's always yeah. going to be spin, but it's a local spin in that case, as opposed to the national garbage. Yeah. and But there's a, um, there's an element to that to which you have to be aware in that when you've cut the cord, and I did that many, many years ago, um, you you self-select for information that resonates with you. Indeed. You okay. can end up and, in a bubble. You can end up in a worse yes. bubble than some of these social justice warriors, to put it plainly. Yeah. And that's where you can get uh, a guy like Andy Kaufman. Yes. And uh, look, I've just received this comment right now. It just popped up on my uh, inbox uh, saying about... Well, so recently David Icke tried to 
grab onto this uh, finding with the Pasteur Institute's PCR, where the reverse primer that they use for uh, the detection, um, if you read it in the in the wrong direction, it ma it matches a sequence on chromosome eight. Okay, and he went on. Uh, David Icke, so that's a reach to millions and millions of people, and said, see, aha, they're just detecting human uh, genetic material. <laughs> and so just right now, this minute, just popped up on my inbox. I get quite a few of these a day. Uh, he's called Free Basket Living. He says, you showed nothing. I was hoping you would in such a way that all or at least most would comprehend, but you did and continue to do nothing to educate or teach you giggle at your own lack of ability to positively influence towards a truth that brings about cohesion. I say, people, trust yourself and that which you see and experience in your reality. So basically, trust people like Kaufman who are telling you that things like viruses aren't real because you can't see them. Okay, And there's a... There's a spectrum that you're dealing with here today. So, oh, absolutely. Um, this this is a spectrum that is being dealt with. People yeah. on a spectrum, <laughs> even. <laughs> um, maybe. <laughs> uh, it's it's belief and ideology, and people have different have different ones. And um, uh, vive la France, usually I would say. But um, when it when it's so obviously scientifically. Uh, misconstrued and you know like a trained artist sees the uh, the splatterings of a teenage graffiti artist and turns their nose up anyone who's had the time and discipline to work through and become expert in a scientific domain looks at things like what that person said and what someone like Kaufman has said as, uh, as it's an assault against the senses because it is so wrong. And as human beings, I think we're drawn towards, um, we want harmony and, and symmetry in, uh, in our perceptions. We want uh, a sort of inherent uh, beauty uh, and, that, and truth is part of that, right? If you, if you hear a ground truth, then you, you're, at a, you're at a point where you can begin to then unravel some of the mess and bring a bit of order to some of the uh, the chaos that's running through your uh, maybe your mind your community and right now in most cities down your main streets wielding uh lasers uh mm -hmm. molotov cocktails and all and sundry of uh weapons it and, really does put a new spin uh, on the uh, statement of shining a light into the dark corners <laughs> Why well, uh, you mean the lasers or the? <laughs> Either way, a lot of roaches scattering. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I guess. And um, so I, I was talking about this spectrum of belief, and so my friend uh, Jonathan Curry, I highly recommend him. Go listen to JC on a bike uh, if uh, if you want a another you know well thought out take to the elements and. Uh, I, it's not it's not the orthodox take either right he's not he's not afraid to ask the awkward uh, the awkward questions and and so where him and a group are dealing with this origin story to SARS-CoV-2 and i think they've been doing a brilliant 
uh, a brilliant job that we're, we're able to catch these people in the act as it were whereas if the internet you know we're sort of bemoaning the issues with connectivity etc um if we didn't have the internet and something like this had gone ahead we would just be stuck with newspapers and um one of the reports that we we went over uh yesterday was the daily telegraph from the uk uh extolling a uh the let me see if i can just find it the the fact that british british scientist peter dayzak will be part of the lancet team uh this international team to um investigate the origins of sars-cov-2 now if you've been following the story in any way the fact that peter dayzak would be involved with investigating the origins of sars-cov-2 where he is up to his eyeballs in excuse me in uh misdirection and pushing the idea that it's a spillover zoonosis right and we've uh developed um and to for let me clarify for those in my audience who might not get that to say that this is basically a natural occurrence or a very very light touch modification kind of thing uh not even not even the, a light touch I, I mean are you are you speaking about uh i mean sars cov2 like, in particular yeah potentially now by that by the um zoonotic uh methodology right so any 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 um adaptation and gain of function was just part of the zoonotic yeah just something process, that happened right? like it yeah. it was just a natural evolutionary process which if we look at just how good this thing is at infecting humans that just it strains cred- credibility you know yes it it does and on many many levels there's this uh disturbing tendency towards uh peak adaptation that um we wouldn't normally expect even even if we had a spillover a, a, a naturally occurring spillover event like Dayzac, like EcoHealth, like all these groups would want you to believe happened, okay? And we have to, but let, let me just sort of uh, preface this with um, this this group, my good friend uh, Jonathan uh, is part of discussion groups that have been uh, at the, uh, the orthodox way of dealing with this at the scientific method i made a conscious decision at the beginning because i'm out not working um i'm at home that i didn't need to do that and basically anything i said with respect to uh the covid zombie hypothesis it gets into the brain it, it's gonna do uh unusual things uh it, it would be better to highlight that and sort of throw my um well that's in your wheelhouse it's it is but basically i'm i'm throwing my credentials onto the fire of uh public opinion and the, and the dumpster fire that is this whole 
uh, effort around uh, SARS-CoV-2, but I was so convinced of what it was that I was seeing and I could um, track it very easily and, and lay it over with my research that um, me writing a paper about it would be read probably by a couple of people in the world, whereas I've reached thousands of people right now by trying to um, want counter the narratives coming from those who would say viruses aren't real. Uh, but two, also saying that as well, as well as there being these snake oil salesmen, there are others in the professional sphere who are engaged in the same. And we have their paperwork to hand. We have their appearances to hand. And we, um, we sh should, shouldn't let them just walk away um, with all the, <laughs> all the prizes that they've won over the last few months. And that includes very, very serious, excuse me, amounts of funding. Oh, absolutely. And let me give you, let me give you a perfect example of that. So um, as the pandemic began to unfurl, it became clear that EcoHealth, the nonprofit from New York, um, had been working hand in hand with the Wuhan Institute of Virology and just to clarify the, is this the organization that fauci is affiliated with uh yes he is well he's not like professionally or, or accredited to them no no he's no being, not not professionally like uh commercially he uh, no this is uh gilead you're talking about gilead the um remdesivir maker okay i, I thought he i thought uh, he had some sort of financial connection to the, one of the wuhan labs uh you'd have to point me to a bit of evidence I'll, I'll have to look that up. i'll link you later if i can find it i've i've just kind of heard about it but anyway please continue okay so well in in a way he he does have linkage to it because what he did was he's his ni nih his institute of mm -hmm. part of the nih authorized grants that were handled by uh eco health alliance and eco health alliance was then distributing this money to look for uh, these pathogens, so funding studies in bats, and giving uh, money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And there's a very, you know, once you start digging, there's a very clear network of people who are involved. And uh, Peter Dayzak, um, because, of, because of the NPO, he's outside the university system, um, he, can, he can sort of operate with a degree of impunity that perhaps would be more difficult for someone that has uh, institutional ties. Well, he's not but, really in the system, so he doesn't have that kind of oversight. Right, right. And But somehow he's got a pipeline to the NIH, I'm guessing as being registered as an American nonprofit, even though he's uh, Ukrainian-British descent, um, we have uh, evidence now that uh, he's uh, been involved with the uh, London uh, Jewish diaspora. Um, hmm. So, you know, there's, there can be plenty in the background to uh, suggest that uh, his motives and, uh, and goals are not those of conservation as pushed by the uh, the the promotions of of eco health 
so anyway in the in the last it, it was formed in 2009 2010 and in that time period it's received over 140 million dollars from the u.s taxpayer in the form of various grants from health and human services to ni aid to um, being part of the predict program and you have to be asking yourself how come this person and this group of people have been able to garner so much research and how come they're doing it in the front yard of essentially an ideological enemy like the chinese communist party okay now once you once you pinpoint peter dayzak in this network so eco health what you see is is that uh, very, very quickly, as the pandemic begins to spread out, the um, a conclusion is reached very, very quickly in the uh, the professional scientific uh, press, which is that it had to be zoonosis. Okay, and Peter Dayzak, within weeks, had a um, paper in the Lancet again in uh i want to say january january february let me just see if i can find that one um and the and then what happened was uh there was a paper released which everyone um goes to when there there's talk of um there being the chance of it having leaked from uh, uh, a laboratory. And that paper is called The Proximal Origin of SARS-CoV-2. And the uh, first and corresponding author is Christian G. Anderson. And people have tried to say, well, you know, this, and in that paper, basically it says that, well, it can't be an engineered virus because it's binding its binding to the ACE2 receptor could be uh, more efficient uh, than what we see. No engineer would do that. That's sloppy, is their argument. Uh, and two, the receptor binding motif is uh, has uh, cross-similarity or synonymous with uh, the receptor binding motif you find in pangolins. And so the pangolin hypothesis was born. I call it the Wookiee hypothesis because it doesn't matter which. They're just trying to find an intermediate to say it. It's contingent on having an intermediate for the theory to work. And yet everyone bought it hook, line and sinker. And there was no, it didn't address even a couple of sentences to the, or the prospect of it being a lab-based uh, agent. Um other than to say that it can't be okay and then what what they do is is they compare to the uh, released uh, paper so the uh, the head of the laboratory at the Wuhan institute uh, Zheng Li Shi people know her as batwoman she released in i want to say february a nature paper so these are all big papers coming out uh, the proximal origin was nature medicine uh, she released a nature paper which said that, ah, look, look what we found. We looked for, um, based on the sequences released by clinicians worldwide, we've searched our databases and we find a, uh, a viral 
particle called RATG13, which seems to have some of the, uh, or, or has a lot of crossover with SARS-CoV-2, 96% uh, homology, but with uh, the difference being in the uh, spike protein complex. And so it's, um, that, that push is being used by anyone. So the fact checkers, so uh, in last week or this week, this week, I want to say, this, no, it's Monday for me, so it's last week. Um, we had the release from the Hong Kong whistleblower. Now, I'm, I've been a bit uh, incredulous to um, her. I just, you can go back and listen to my earlier streams. I always felt something didn't quite sit right with me. But if she's done one thing, it's raised in the people's consciousness that there could be a synthetic component to SARS-CoV-2. And in, in my mind, that's a good thing. Now, is it the mechanism that she describes in the paper that she released as a sort of preprint uh, in association with a group uh, linked to uh, Gao, Guao, uh, Guao, voice of Guao, whatever his name is, the Chinese billionaire uh, who's linked to Steve Bannon. Um, and that was a very big failing in my view because it, 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 it hindered its objectivity for the public to be able to look at it. You could but very well say that would taint that in the public eye. Yeah, for sure. And what it what it's done um, is those that had been working very very hard to uh, bring the message that the the molecular biology of SARS-CoV-2 uh, in in terms of virology seems off. And uh, there's one uh, postdoc at uh, MIT named Zelina Chan has done has worked very hard to say that the puzzle pieces don't fit now like i say i'm i'm not a molecular biologist i'm not a geneticist i'm not a virologist i'm a systems neuroscience scientist and what brought me into this was the what i saw as the obvious uh neurological impact i saw it straight away and unless you know what you're looking for it's difficult to it, it, it's difficult to see but the the problem that we have right now is that you you basically have two non-overlapping magisteria in the molecular biology domain and someone like myself who's uh, systems neuroscience and behavior and being able to talk to one another so as we establish that SARS-CoV-2 is this has this neurotropic element the gain of function the, the, the biggest gain of function which the virus has, which is the uh, polybasic furin cleavage site. And if you take that uh, sequence of amino acids, is synonymous with uh, the a whole bunch of neurotoxins, but primarily uh, rabies and um, cobra neurotoxins. And these act as... Uh, cholinergic antagonists now this then leads to the issue of you know what i tongue-in-cheek called the covid uh zombie and yeah the go into that if you to... would because there's i know exactly what you're talking about and i hope some people that are going to be listening on my side will but 
this really hasn't been delved into enough, and we've only just touched on on my podcast. Okay, so uh, in a nutshell, what I saw was a uh, repertoire of behaviors that I reproduce in the laboratory uh, systematically, and I see in the clinic uh, for intervention with deep brain stimulation. Uh, a set of behaviors that can essentially be called Tourettism. And the uh, 20, 30 years ago, we had very, very little understanding of why Tourette's manifested the way that it did. And, you know, we've reached a point now where actually we do have a good, solid understanding of the networks. And if you perturb those networks, um, you see a, like I say, depending on where you perturb them, you'll see specific behaviors manifest. And like I say, once you see it, you can reproduce it in a monkey. You can, when you see it being done in the human, it, it, it's almost, it's striking and you can't unsee it. Okay. And that's the sign that you've got a good, uh, a good model. And so one of my sort of claimed fames has been, along with, you know, it's a, it was an, an international effort, but to develop this reproducible model of Tourette's. And in Tourette's, it's not just the, uh, the ticks that you get. And, you know, it's, it's famous for the, uh, the phenomenon, phenomenon of something called uh, coprolalia, which, mean, which is like the uh, swearing, the inappropriate swearing at uh, the wrong time. But uh, along with uh, swearing, there are other uh, really standout behaviors that you see in the lab and in the clinic, which is spitting and licking. Okay. And as we've begun to sort of tease apart these networks and we can look at the, uh, the, the limbic networks of the higher primate. And this is something very, very few people have had the experience to observe like I have firsthand. I was the sort of last monkey researcher standing, but that's that's gone by the way. And the the thing that started to stick out for me was all these people that were spitting and going into rage-like phenomenon um coming out of uh china right so you'd see people uh spitting on elevator buttons arguing and, and people spitting yeah, etc that, that is and, really i mean we do see some weird actions out of uh chinese people just kind of uh anecdotally as tourists right. but in the native language oh, language in the native land we we really wouldn't see that sort of thing because there's a very there's a really strong social contract, you might say, that they yeah. have there. Even if it's yeah. enforced by an iron hand, they yeah. th there's a way that you act, and that is highly alien to what it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, and the, the, the thing to understand is that spitting is a universal phenomenon and is often used in displays of disgust and this is and this is where i would sort of call the overlap with 
Tourette's. And how I started to define this was that you're, um, because the disease is a neurotropic agent, it's able to bind to the olfactory epithelium. It propagates up the olfactory bulbs. And the, uh, the olfactory system is part of the limbic system and sits at the heart of the limbic system because smell is such an important um, sense for your survival, right? So you need to be able to smell food, etc., and or you need to be able to. So one thing is uh, you need to be able to smell if something is bad, right? And the feelings of uh, disgust, okay? And spitting in fighting is uh, normal. Primates do that as well. And that, like I say, these are complex behaviors to tease apart, especially if you're not experienced with them and haven't worked at them uh, firsthand at a scientific or clinical level, but you're going to have to sort of trust me that this, these do manifest uh, in very reproducible ways. And what you, what we're seeing, so let's, let me try and make it a bit more concrete for the listeners who are hearing this for the first time. Okay. So there's this concept of there being a neurotropic agent which means it's able to get into the nervous system, okay? And once in the nervous system, it's able to propagate along uh, axons and fibers of passage, and it will jump from neuron to neuron. And that's the classic description of rabies. And that has a very uh, fixed time interval in which it will passage from one the first network primary secondary tertiary networks that become uh, infected and the um what what i was seeing i saw parallels with rabies okay so uh in the lab we use rabies uh, scientifically to map neural networks okay and um in and in this instance you generally you get a nice monkey at the beginning of the procedure but as the rabies uh, yeah I... the networks uh what was a nice monkey basically has rabies rage at the uh, the end of it now i was seeing something akin to that coupled with these tourettisms which was the spitting and the licking behaviors and we 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 built up a but I've had my Discord nuked a few times, but we built up quite a good library of people just engaging in these behaviors in uh, in the most inopportune ways. And of course, people get into conflicts all the time. But what kept leaping out at me was suddenly there was all these people spinning. Right? And I have to so... agree with you too. I've noticed that it's an oddly more common occurrence in... Uh... Uh, no, I, don't, I don't want to say conflicts, but, uh, you know, in confrontations with people, like, yeah. or coughing, even for that matter, like specifically yeah. coughing. Yep. And what, and the question you have to ask yourself is, well, why does that happen? Well, it's, it's because you're kicking in the limbic system under those um, tense situations. And in in that, um, that's a scary enough place to be 
generally, uh, even under normal conditions. But you have to think about the fact that, and this is more and more studies are coming out by the day. And there's a recent one that came from uh, Yale. It's a big international study. And they've been able to show that uh, SARS-CoV-2 infects uh, organoids. So these are derived from stem cells. It infects uh, mouse brain. And they've found it in uh, human neural tissue in, in cortical regions. And they've been able to show that it's able to um, uh, propagate and divide and reproduce itself without killing neurons. What it does do, however, is it lowers the uh, oxygen available to other neurons. So there's kind of like a sort of hypoxic zone around where the uh, infection takes a hold. And I can tell you it takes very, very little uh, to manipulate those networks to produce the Tourettism. So how do I do that? At a in a scientifically reproducible way, well, you you get very precise stereotactic coordinates of your model system, and then you get a fine cannula into the into the brain, and you in micro inject a couple of microliters of uh, a disinhibitory compound, and then the whole behavior of the animal flips over, and that's in that's an example par extremis, but. You had to try to think of the same thing occurring where you've got this oxygen debt, lactic acid is building up because the, you've got this essentially quiescent infection ongoing in the brain and then causing people. So I define SARS-CoV-2, the neuropsychiatric components of it, as uh, essentially a loss of impulse control. Because that's primarily what Tourette's is. Right? That's where you get the... Uh, inopportune or, or the behaviors are inopportune uh, moments and um, it's a tough message to get out because you know one uh, people people it's a scary prospect for people to think that there's something that could hijack their behavior in this way and it, it could be something that's uh, that's subtle almost that you that it would be hard to detect in yourself so there's a there's a lot of so let's try and sort of step out and, and sorry look at a, a a big picture view for a second okay so sure. i've tried to walk people through the fact that there's a bunch of people who are saying it's zoonosis it's just natural where in fact there's a lot of evidence which says that it's come from a lab it's part of uh, gain-of-function studies, and if it's gain-of-function studies, it falls under dual-use technologies. And you know, you could—they could make the argument we were making vaccines, but it, it could also be that they were making uh, something approximating a uh, biological agent. Certainly. That biological egg. Oh yeah, yeah. This no, this is. Um, and I mean, so... easily, even for that matter. Yes, e easily. And once you've got something, you know, a, a spillover pandemic is bad enough because there's there isn't the immunity to the agent itself. So you that's how you get things like pandemic flu, etc. Um, but in this case, we can look at what very is very very likely. It's ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure that it's a gain of function 
made at the made with this furin cleavage and that furin cleavage with the amino acids it has in it was is synonymous with neurotoxins um you know it's a family of neurotoxins uh cholinergic antagonists and you've got <laughs> you've got yourself into a position now where you've got this highly infective agent that's able to rip through a population it targets multiple organs including the brain and um is very very difficult to pin at a uh, at a clinical level in terms of its pathology right so there's clusters that we know are sort of gastrointestinal weighted to those that have um, more respiratory and we're seeing that the gastrointestinal types turn into the long haulers and there's another component that i think just needs to be taken into account that this uh virus you know there's papers that have come out that, sh that have shown it's able to suppress um pain process processing at the level of the spinal cord so even if you were feeling ill you might still feel uh, generally um well and uh in in good uh fine feckle to so it is to say and... you think you're asymptomatic when, in fact, you may not actually be. Right. And then you're going around spreading it. And one of the things that I there was something that I called the COVID gate, which was you kind of notice people when they're not and, and they're engaging in these types of behaviors, the spitting, the licking is they get a swagger. Right. And it looks a bit like they're drunk a little bit. Right. And you know it's all part of the behavioral profile that you need to um keep it keep in mind and we need to be able to explain that in as coherent as manner as possible so as many people as possible can take measures to mitigate against it now this is this is why i'm saying we have to take this so stepping back and taking a big picture view and you know the 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 range of opinion that exists is one from viruses don't exist to um in the united states them asking you to wear a mask is uh, um take the mark of the beast as it were yeah yeah <laughs> well put thank you um and and anything and everything in between and then you've got the professional people who are supposed to be ethically bound to help the public um grifting these projects like to say the peter days acts etc and you know we've kind of we'll probably have to do this over sort of several streams it's such a, a complex oh yeah there's a lot uh, lot lot to unpack in all this yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to do sort of nine months of following this story packed into uh, taking 20 years of uh, hands-on research and publication and wrapping it up into what essentially sounds like a science fiction story. And the, the problem is, though, that it, it's it's not fiction, it's fact. And that the... the the situation has evolved to where if you're trying to speak about the science facts, they're now calling you a conspiracy theorist, right? So that's, you know, you take the release from uh, Yang, Yang Li Men, 
I'm never I'll never remember the name, but um, that uh, publication, which does this very sophisticated way of how you would build this pathogen, okay, and um, my concern at the time was, well, you know, does it have to be made that way? And this was something that my good friend Jonathan has sort of discussed as well, that by making this very um, complex pathway to making this agent, it allows for uh, individuals, particularly those that want to argue for the zoonotic hypothesis, because and if they get their way, they put everyone at risk, they grift a whole bunch of money, and they don't care if you catch it or not, uh, you just become uh, more grist for their mill. And, excuse me, um, the, uh, the issue is, is that within the literature, there's a um, an event which occurred in 2012, where six miners uh, from Yunnan province and Monyang, Moyang, I'm sure how you pronounce it, mine, and they presented with a SARS-like illness. And it was kind of published and sort of blamed on minoxivirus. And the uh, it kind of went quiet. But the the suspicion is is that it's that virus which they're taking and using and, and saying is rat g13 and rat g13 um well rat g13 that they want to say is bat pangolin etc but now we've got this hu these humans who have acted as part of the passaging uh mechanism right so there's there's a way in I've got to be honest, um, that's an incredible reach. The mind story? Oh, yeah, to try and tie this back to that? Um, now, not to say well, that it's unreasonable. I mean, I would actually be surprised if they didn't keep samples of something like that on hand. For sure, they kept samples. And the problem is, is that the only publication about the uh, mining uh, incident was a master's thesis in Italian. Uh, sorry, Chinese. I said Italian, but um, if they had something that induced this acute SARS-like effect, and then they've had, and they've got thousands of samples to hand, uh, including the People's Liberation Army, which the Bannon whistleblower alludes to, that this is a chimera virus made by the People's Liberation Army and Zheng Li Shi, and she combines the uh the two two known strains saying it's a chimera of a known strain there are specific restriction sites that have allowed them to put in this uh modified spike like a protein and from the, and now we find ourselves here whereas if you take the uh, miners hypothesis you don't have to do a lot of the uh, early steps of the uh, of the manuscript which she uh, which she published. Oh, sure. Now, it's a shortcut, as it were. Yeah, it's 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 a shortcut, and I I I would sort of take the view that um, in in order to get anywhere with holding people to account is to probably say that well, okay, rather than deliberately making it from scratch, they got this from miners who who went into these bat caves very probably to clean them out for uh, the the. Uh, 
expeditions of the Wuhan Institute of Virology, right? Entirely and, and so in in this in this context, okay, when we see that there's this very sketchy provenance to the virus, there's this very sketchy professional uh, network geared towards trying to push the public perception in a particular direction. The mainstream media has uh, gone along with that. And the fact that we could be in a situation that is way more complex than is being led on, excuse me, and the fact that no one is talking about it, and in fact is being actively uh, silenced or censored, I would say tells you where you need to be looking, right? So forget the psyop of the David Ikes and the Andrew Kaufmans. Forget the mainstream story. What is it that you're not allowed uh, to discuss? And it's this gain-of-function element within the cons uh, the construct of it being a uh, bio-warfare-type agent. And if once you accept that premise and then the fact that we're dealing with the, the a virus which has this extraordinary spectrum of responses, including the ability to hijack the emotional centers of the brain. And I would say that you're, you can start to look at the current circumstances gripping the United States uh, in a new way. Right? And it's a way that they don't want you to look at it because what they're trying to do with this next generation uh, warfare is a lot of it is psyops to uh, control populations and push them in particular directions to make a, a or, or essentially to keep the population calm. Well, yeah, which if, if people were to understand the gravity of the situation, <clears throat> excuse me, if people were to understand the gravity of the situation. It would, well, it would shine a light into those same dark corners, and there are things that we're not meant to be seeing right now. Yeah, and the, <laughs> you know, it comes, it comes down to, look, even even the president said last week that there, he knew how <clears throat> serious it was, five times worse than the most dangerous flu, and he, um, he knew that. And his decision was to play it down and to um, not panic the public, particularly in this election year. And again, you know, whether that was the right tactical move or not, um, I think even under the best of circumstances, if you tell the citizen, citizenry of the United States and the West in general that, hey, um, a particularly pernicious WMD seems to have fallen out or, or, or arisen out of China. And we were already in a tough trade war with China. And now we've just stepped up the game with respect to how serious this is, especially when you take into consideration the fallout of uh, what, what's pinned on SARS-CoV-2. Shut down your economy. Uh, the mass infection and um, potentially distorting the, or, or twisting the minds of those who have been infected such that they become easier to push into uh, positions 
like uh, or ideological movements like Black Lives Matter, or and it's not just Black Lives Matter. It, it would be the converse to that as well, and and then you start saying, well, it's got at, uh, attributes of uh, airborne rabies at some level. Uh, people would lose their shit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of the classic argument against why we won't tell everyone that there's aliens. They'll all just go crazy. Well, mm. I mean, mm. maybe so, maybe no. But I mean, in this case, we can we can look at it direct. Well, look at what happened in uh, Hawaii. I want to say what two years ago when the uh, air raid siren accidentally went off. I mean, the place went. Oh yeah, yeah. Loony. <laughs> I mean, it went crazy. Yes. It's like we're all going to die. Well, I mean, we had mm. some things happen there that would not normally ever happen. Because, you know, people are like, it's the end, screw it, might as well let it all burn. And that's incredibly unhealthy societally because, you know, even if... The odds of us actually being at that crossover point where it really is the end are incredibly low. I mean, we're at a point now where we can save ourselves from about anything if we really want to. And now... If you have a wealth of people just screaming that the sky is falling and going around and burning down all your cities, well, it's mm. significantly harder to do that. And then that falls into the same category as, you know, earlier reference. You know, you want to take advantage of this tragedy. And mm. we have seen it. We have seen it in spades. You know, authoritarians yes. of every stripe have taken this opportunity to increase their authority. Yep. And... Um... Um, it, in in every one of those cases and scenarios, um, it's it's not a it's not a binary of uh, virusing viruses existing or not. Right? Which is where I sort of be, have been playing into this story. You know that the authoritarian grab could have happened under under any circumstances. And it, say, for example, the the missile at Hawaii had been um, real rather than rather than a, um, uh, I'm not even sure what it was. It was just a false alarm, right? Someone apparently somebody hit the, the wrong button, which is right. so incredibly asinine in my mind. Mm. But nonetheless, um, nonetheless, let's saying it was real, right? And 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 under those circumstances, you see the inch forward of the. Uh, of those that would try to, and this is the key word, profit from the situation. And the <laughs> we're seeing many, many people profit right now. And it's, it's disturbing to me because at a scientific level, um, I've, uh, you know, that's why I'm, I've, it was forced retirement, but sort of looking back, I don't want to. I don't want to go back to what was very obviously a corrupt. To change the perception right, of reality, where people were, you know, there were in groups and out groups, and you know, and they were they were trying to game the system with respect to how they got their grants and how grants were used were disgusting, and you know, we just got into how the head chair of a department yesterday, and this is at a non-profit university in the U.S., can be earning uh, over half a million dollars a year, right? Where uh, where they've got an army of slave labor below them uh, of uh, undergraduates, graduates, postdocs, 
and th- <laughs> these well, not uh, just these slave people... labor. You have a better way to say it would be an army of devotees or cultists, even depending on mm, how deep some yeah, of these people have gone. Yeah, yeah. And look, man, I was there. I really bought into the whole idea of science as this uh, gentleman's endeavor of um, a gentleman's pursuit for truth. And I was lucky that I just somehow got through the system where I was studying something that was highly interesting for me because it sort of got at the causality of action and behavior in, in a very reproducible manner. And But it, it was... It overlapped with Tourette's, and so Tourette's wasn't a big, uh, a big target, if you like, where people were, where the big research dollars went. So I was considered competent at what I do, and then I was sort of left alone to uh, pursue what it is that I wanted to do because it it had uses, okay. But I was still in the meetings where I could watch people who were supposed to be. Um, holding the ethics of the scientific pursuit as as their touchstone or guidestone and very very obviously falling way way short uh, of those demands well and i mean, we, can, we can just look at the infiltration of critical theory into real science and see just how bad mm. that's gotten i mean mm. not to mention yeah. any of the legitimate craziness out of uh like some of the schools in Africa, like where we need to decolonize science and we need more, uh, we need more indigenous science. As much as I am, you know, into the occult and super science and, you know, infirm science, there's a line. There is absolutely a line and that is crossing it so far that it's patently ridiculous. Yeah, uh, you have to... There is an objective reality, right? right? And how we how we view that is you know, incumbent upon the the environment that your neural networks had to uh, adapt to through life. Um, but I I do think we we were getting it right for very long periods of time, you know. And, and I can look at how science was done. 100 years ago you know 150 years ago where where the um it, it was a sort of single man's pursuit in his um in his library or office and they were sort of making observations etc and there wasn't this financial um poison running through the system that would um would would uh, it incentivizes activist science yeah that's it that's that's a good way of of putting it because uh, i was going to say uh corruption but that it's the wrong it's the wrong word to use it's 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 incentivizing specific approaches to carrying out the scientific method well and as a matter of fact we went into this just uh just last week here on kind of how the climate change consensus is well a consensus of particular scientists. Mm. And that's a gravy train that they got onto, that they've managed to build for oh, themselves. There is. Carbon dollars? Seriously? Mm. Mm. I mean, 
Again, the balls on these people. Mm. Yeah, very, very much the chutzpah. In- yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> they have a great deal of chutzpah. They are, uh, mm. I'm sure one might even say they are a mensch, at least amongst themselves. <laughs> indeed. And like I say, the these things are not new to people, right? But right now, it's so in your face. And the chaos, so immense, because all those things that, you know, were supposed to be taken for um, a, a given, right? Your, your social contract through which we were brought up, and I'll use my own personal view, I'll, I'll, I'll leverage that in here, that, um, that science provided this avenue through which we were able to differentiate ourselves from the uh, the worser elements of our being right so in in my mind you could almost I, I could almost argue that it had a transcendental component to it because it aimed at getting towards uh, a, a truth well of a way some of framing kind. the better natures or a way of framing the better angels of our nature mm. Mm. and you know i uh, I had a misspent youth. I saw how easy it was to go down those wrong paths. And it was, yeah, it was the commitment to trying to better myself through doing science that led me to do neuroscience, etc. And, you know, it was the fact that, you know, those misspent years as a, as a youngster were with psychedelics, etc. But that they weren't leading me to the enlightenment that they thought that I thought was available. You know, when you're peaking off a few hundred micrograms of LSD, you, you're, there's other, no, that's not how you speak to daddy. What do you say? Sorry about that. That's, uh, how about that? Hello, young man. (laughs) He said, close the door. Um, synchronistic. Um, emergence of reality there, just as I was reaching, a, I felt a very important point, which was, um, yeah, that, that, that everyone can see these things, right? And um, psychedelics is a, a, a shortcut, a, uh, a quick way to sort of lift the veil. But if you, if once you've got the message, I think it was, I'm not sure who said it, maybe Timothy Leary, once you've got that message, you need to hang up the phone. Right. And you sort of structure towards that. And that's how I ended up doing uh, what I was doing uh, in neuroscience. And you know, I wanted to understand the causal nature of how did thought action emerge in the brain. And that that in my mind, it's not that long ago, but it was before the the subversion had really kicked into high gear as we're seeing it right now, um, should still be an ideal that we we aim for. And I, I don't know how The pursuit you're... of science, as opposed to what might be called scientism, is, mm. is more the truth, I guess. Mm. The, the true way, you might say, is the pursuit of science and the rejections of scientism. You know, science... Mm is not in and of itself a god and should never be seen that way 
it is like so many other things a tool and any tool can be corrupted and used wrong and right. you you have to well, you have to be an adult really yeah and so um perhaps we could use an example of those we're quick to point the finger at sure and you know i i, I spent uh several years in the middle east in israel and um i got to know the culture not overtly well but you know, i felt i felt i had a a good run in with the good and the bad okay sure but the um those that sort of engage in the uh kabbalistic type teachings etc they the people that i spoke to about those things they always said well these are these are teachings that you get when you you're supposed to be like sort of a middle-aged man you're supposed to have responsibilities and you're supposed to be able to um you're supposed Better to have a balance. framework of a world into which to place these things is what I'm yes. gathering. Yeah. And, um, and it's going and... in too early and we're breaking people, right? Yes, very much. And so I would say that, um, you know, all the issues with science, um, it's a powerful tool. And what we're doing is, is we're handing that tool over to those that haven't had the wisdom to learn how to properly use it. And in the discussion I had yesterday, I, I sort of made a plea that science should be an almost monastic type pursuit so that you can be sure that those who are its uh, spokespeople are... Well, you want uh, spokesmen and not adherents. I'm sorry, say that again? You want a spokesman and not an adherent. You don't want someone who's going to proselytize. You want someone who's going to teach. Yeah, yeah. And you want to... Uh, and you want to be sure that that person's motives are grounded in uh, the, the health of the society in general. And Or at least some got... basic and real truth. Yeah. At a, at a bare <laughs> minimum. At a bare minimum, yes, we would like uh, someone to be describing uh, reality to us. But, you know, to take us a, a, a sort of uh, trope that, um, you know, the, the first virus, computer virus, was written by Bill Gates, right? And then there, there's a whole industry made of them uh, building better mouse traps and you know who's writing those viruses for them to use the mouse traps on and the, the more money uh, in treating cancer than curing it right right and you know it, there's there's a lot of things that uh, science needs to be held responsible for and I, as a someone who was engaged in the scientific process i i like to think i still am it doesn't you don't require an institute to still do uh, science and I've learned that the lab was I've got all the data I was ever going to get really so it's about how I use that experience to help bring something approximating truth to uh, a, a general audience and I'm, I'm trying to do that with this concept that um, your mind is at stake when you think you might be just dealing with 
uh, and we're not just talking about an info war on fear mind here I mean quite quite right. literally neurological damage is a very very legitimate and very real concern yes yeah and that's the message that isn't getting out right and the now, worst part too we don't know how long this lasts these could right. be permanent injuries yep and the the fact that it's what they're already honing in on it being a quiescent infection that could be ongoing it leads to hypoxia in the brain small regions of hypoxia that go beyond the uh, initial phases of the illness or your or you, it didn't seem to affect you that much and now you're holding this reservoir uh, in the central nervous system, AIDS hides in the central nervous system. Right? It's it's a neurotropic agent, and once you stop taking your um, protease inhibitors, they will they will come to the. Uh, it, it'll start picking up again, and you'll you'll be uh, symptomatic and spreading the infection. And with, like you say, when when there's this info or, or this next generation warfare that's built around psyop control of information and also now there are agents that are released that directly impact your brain we've we've suddenly found ourselves in a whole new uh, territory the next level of the simulation has kicked in right you're on to level two right now and these are the uh, these are the you know the emergent rules of the game that are, are coming into view and um like I say I, I don't have the full answers for how to sort of navigate it beyond saying one use science the methodology of science as best you can if you're struggling with a particular element of it seek out someone who can help answer it for you i try to do that um and you and like i said there's parts of science that i can't do i'm not uh not physicist i'm not a chemist right I, I defer to expertise where i need it much like you would take your car to the mechanic and not your hairdresser okay certainly. so you were going to say something oh yes certainly yes i absolutely agree okay so the um so this second or, or this next gen warfare we're in i would point back to something that i said earlier which is um if it's not part of this pandemic move towards this one world government my other thought or hypothesis would be uh that you're looking we're staring down the barrel of a war that's been ongoing that we've been blissfully unaware of and it's making itself shown to us right now and that is more my concern than this idea of um pandemics and uh, one world governments um maybe i'm being short-sighted in that because if there's a no doubt like the second world war if it kicks off and then you, you'll end up with a new equivalent of the un etc and um there's a whole a whole bunch of uh, elements that need to well you need to keep your eye on all the time and 
I think right now uh, we need to be more focused on the immediate, which is, okay, uh, guys in the US, you need, uh, uh, you've got all this chaos, whether it, whether, and, you know, you might, I don't know if how many of your listeners are on the Antifa side. Um, I can't imagine presumably. very many, but nonetheless, it is always important to address anyone that might tune in. Right. And the the point to keep in mind is, is that, okay, and under this next-gen warfare scenario hypothesis, you have to think, where am I being manipulated all the time? Don't take what I say and just go with it and then repeat it or regurgitate it to someone else. Uh Go back, find out if there is truth to what it is that I'm saying. Speak to me directly. Uh, I'll, I'll try to answer uh, all questions. And um, which reminds me, I'm just I'm just going to say this in this stream right now, in the hope of reaching uh, one person who's tried to contact me, and I've lost the uh, the contact. Uh, and it's important because it involved his uh, his wife. And uh, he was looking for help with his wife uh, with um, neurological issue. And um, please, I know you sent me a Twitter if you're listening. If you could uh, send that again, I don't see it in my inbox. Um, just to let you know, I did write uh, to my colleague to see if there was help. Um, none that I could find, but there are other avenues in which I could help you. So if you're, um, if you are listening, uh, please reach out again. Um, uh, like I say, I've, I've missed his email. So that public service announcement aside. And if somehow would, you I... are following me and this gets to you through my podcast, get in contact with me and I will get you in touch. Right. Please, please do. It seems it seems quite sort of serious. But um, I mean, I think I've sort of given the big picture setup as it, as it is from my side. I don't know if you have any uh, questions or we're Can I there's not a lot of disagreement uh, in between us. I mean, if I had my co-host here, we might be able to get into a little bit more of the science of it. But I mean, we're a lot of we're we're largely on the same page across the board on this. I mean, there's okay. room for nuance, obviously, but I mean, there's there are more important issues, as it were, right now to be considered than the nuance of the situation. You might say. Mm. Yeah. Um. And that's what I'm trying to tell people right now. It's okay uh, discussing the merits of terrain theory, etc., for example, or even the philosophy of medicine. But right now, the that's not the time. You're, you're in a situation where... We are the, in an existential crisis. Perhaps, enemy... perhaps that is a bit of an overstatement, but perhaps it isn't. And the fact that it's it quite... might not be is reason enough to consider that it might be um I, I i don't think it's being uh verbose to to say that it is an existential crisis i've never seen the u.s i mean you could say there's parallels to the 1960s the nearest parallel we can find well, to this is the the civil war i mean quite true. literally <laughs> but but those are existential crises and of course the um the the time time will pass and we'll eventually get through this but there's um going to be pain and learning along the way 
and hopefully not it's not all pain um, and learning should be a liberating experience and well like i say i i think you know there's it's it's such a dynamic situation that i think um we'll we'll be having to keep visiting this to take to keep up to date with the latest information there's the um I mean, I didn't get to, I was, I was gonna touch on it, but we, we did a stream on one paper this week, which basically showed that the SARS-CoV-2 agent affects pe people of Western hunter-gatherer uh, genotype rather than Asian genotypes. I've, hey. I've heard some mention of this, uh, basically as a complete aside from the ACE2 binding. No, this 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 was uh, dependent on ACE two, really, and uh, yeah, it was in. I'll send you the paper. Yeah, I'd be really uh, curious to see that. Um, but basically, I'll probably just have a quick to hand here, actually. So, um, do I? Uh, well, I, I'll have to look not for people. So. No, no worries. Just um, get me a link at some point. I'm, I really would be curious to see that. Yeah, and anyway, the 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 point was that it um, it shows that it it ticked off another box of what would what we would describe as a uh, biological agent that could be used for nefarious purposes. Right? That um, okay, that the Chinese can pull the pin on the grenade if they know the the impact on them is going to be minimal. Yet on the uh, in in the West, it's going to be way more um, problematic. Well, while we've uh, still got a second, actually, um, this is probably a question you can answer. I've heard that the uh, what would you say your generally African haplogroups are more easily susceptible, specifically the uh, African and I guess Africoid types would be more easily infected with this i've heard this coming out just recently and it's apparently it's a big verboten topic is what i'm hearing yes <laughs> so uh there was a study in JAMA. i want to say a week or two ago where the uh the people who conducted the study s titled it race slash ethnicity differences in transfection with sars-cov-2 related to transmembrane serine protease molecule 2 tmspr2 they call it and um, it it caused a flurry of indignation among the woke scientists of the world that jama would have a headline with the word race in it where apparently the politically correct way of saying it is ethnicities oh, of course and well there's no such thing as me, a bell curve anyway so right <laughs> and this is um again this is woke science uh rearing its ugly head um races is a finer um phrase to use I, I, it's them that have made it a loaded phrase through critical theory um and i think when you keep undermining the meaning of words and you keep putting it through the critical theory uh, mincer, you're going to end up with this scenario where people are unable to 
uh, real, uh, or they're going to be unable to find solid ground beneath their feet at a at a intellectual and cognitive level. Well, if and, you dissect the truth to fall on a uh, far enough point, nothing's true. Right, and there, there's and when always you have some no ambiguity. base. All you're doing is just falling. Mm, yeah, and this is I I would say that you know the psyop uh, extends to uh, the. And, and the classic example for me is the flat earth uh, uh, phenomenon. How they've Great taken that and, that and it's been it's a weaponized. Mind killer. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's such an amazing tool or even a weapon mm. in its own right. Mm. Because you're, you're able to coalesce a community that normally wouldn't be able to talk to each other because of geographical limitations. But here you've got them... Uh, able to communicate readily and directly on the internet. They're actively sought out by people. And there's nothing wrong to question the shape of the earth, per se, right? right. But it's when it's when you're, uh, you're suspending your faculties such that you're not looking at all, all the evidence, right? And you're only taking evidence which confirms... Or, or fits your own hypothesis. You're not doing science then. Well, you're turning your science yeah. into a god of the gaps, and you're making gaps where mm. none even exist in the first place. Yeah, that's a very uh, eloquent way of uh, of putting it. And I would say, uh, the, those who are watching the flow of information across the internet probably saw how successful that was. And in the construct of us being in this next generation warfare where they pretty much knew in October that there had been a release that they need to muddy the waters and they know they're going to get a um, uh, captive audience if they if they can come out with some something well I, I would put the because Terrain theory is not wrong per se, because all that means is you've got healthy tissue. The idea that you can create uh, life forms within your own bloodstream with the, <laughs> that should have, as far as, as far as a reductive science has shown, uh, each floor, piece of flora and fauna has unique genomes. Um, you shouldn't be making those in your body. Right? We, we understand them to be external because they have uh, unique genomes that can be used to classify them but the the extensions of terrain theory goes to this idea of uh, abiogenic pleomorphisms that um, if you look at blood under a dark field microscope you see um, there are these uh, what, what they call uh, somatids or the mycozyma something like that they've got a bunch of names for them but the studies have shown that uh, their, their particle uh, of plasma membranes and what they do is and because you have to think of the plasma membrane is in an ionic uh, medium what it does is, is it's always trying to sort of balance its charge and yeah it can sort of uh, clip and form and join and, f and make uh, sort of spheroids that that would sort of classify as exosome and under conditions they can become bilobed and they've made this whole life cycle that can occur in the blood through looking at dark field microscopy that the blood spontaneously generates pathogens that are there to clear out toxins so if you're suffering from cholera 
your body has made cholera or viruses. You're, they would argue that SARS-CoV-2, your body has made that virus and is using it to clear toxins from your system, right? And that's such a deviation from objective reality that you've moved that base again, like the flat earthers have managed to do to themselves. And it's very obviously a good psychological operation to run. Well, it is. I mean, if at a bare minimum, it's, it's a hell of a grift. But then yeah. on the next level, I mean, you know, you've got an issue that you can drive a societal wedge here. I mean, you mm. can... You can set the world on fire, quite quite literally. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, hopefully you you don't have to look out your window to see it, but uh, I mean, thankfully not here, need... but not all that far, right? So, well, I hope it remains far. The um, there's a uh, we probably should save this for the next. Uh, conversation because we could we could get into um you know who do we think the subverters are what are they trying to achieve and what are their end goals and you know people have different theories about that and um you know we can't ignore uh, those that buy into prophecy etc uh, these are all elements in the equation of the now and we need to navigate our way well to drop a, to drop an interesting note on that very specific topic mm. there are not enough people talking about the Shinchianji death cult right <laughs> not Dude, enough and and you know that's where i'm pretty sure i got my dose of sars from before anyone even knew about sars i was in daegu in south korea in uh, november december oh shit right wow. and i came back from there uh, I'd, I'd been asked to help with, uh, an engineering problem with uh, someone's DBS project. And I came back from there, and then I got hit by that illness. And, um, yeah, that, that wasn't just a flu, bro. And I nearly didn't make it out of it. And just by chance, at the sort of peak in the symptoms, um, I made my wife get aspirin. And I think that turned it around for me, especially as now we know that it's a coagulopathy. And I'd been using uh, sort of acetaminophen and uh, regular painkillers. But And mine was a gastrointestinal version and the uh, not so much respiratory. But then I was left with dyspnea for a long time. It took about eight months. Well, this, I want to say August was about the time that my breathing came back to normal. I've got chest pain all the time now. Um, and the, uh, like I say, many people get through it okay, but um, I, I believed in a, a society where we had the, uh, the, the cultural understanding that those that maybe aren't the healthiest, you know, I've been taken out with a head injury, uh, so I'm already suffering from TBI, etc. And the and I went through a lot of the neurological components of the disease during those peak moments, uh, hallucinations. I didn't know where I was. Um, yeah, I, that, I is mm. <laughs> that is not I'd, a flu. Uh, that is not a cold. No. And I 
was lucky yeah, lucky to get through and that, again that sort of motivated me to uh, get better and I, I, I will speak to the public and I'm still trying to get uh, to get better so I was I was recovering from head injury I mean I've made progress with that but I feel like I'm set back uh, a couple of years because of the the run-in with SARS and since Yoji Colt had a big factor in uh, spreading it uh, not only from uh, Daegu and oh, South Korea. Abs- I mean, they you can find their churches at each of the individual super spreader events, really. Mm. Mm. And let's not, let's not forget that Korean woman grabbing hold of the Pope. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and he he had to sort of smash her arm, uh, her hand away. Yeah, I remember making a, uh, I remember making a snarky comment on Twitter about that. No, so um, there's there was, uh, well, I mean, there was talk of the Pope being ill, and you know there was even that very bizarre footage of him uh, appearing at the window doing his thing, and then it just sort of switching off like a hologram. Um, there were all sorts of oddities uh, going on around then and the uh, look the the Sinchioji church is that's a big one related to the disease itself but in the in the big geopolitical game um, there's this whole component of the Abrahamic prophetic you call it the sphere if you like the eschatology of uh judaism christianity islam or Um, even beyond that basically your um how should i say your end of the world types your uh the ones that are actively working to bring things down because they have a prophecy that says it has to happen or that they have a prophecy that it says it has to happen this way for x Where X is the the return of the Demiurge, uh, perhaps the uh, manifestation of the Godhead, what have you. And usually them being top dogs for uh, for eternity. Exactly that. Exactly that. Which, you know, I will give a little bit of credit to uh, the Mormons. They're, They're pretty good on that. It's like, hey, no, 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 no. We all work together here. And uh, now, now, if you work better here, there's uh, maybe uh, there's uh, two hundred thousand of you. They're going to get a nice planet. The rest of you, well, <laughs> you know, we'll figure something out. But if you do really good and you're a really good person, there might be a planet for you. You can be a god too. It's a pretty yeah. sweet deal, but you got to work pretty hard for it. Yeah, or you can be one of the chosen, uh, the chosen tribe, and all the uh, the Edomites that you spare will be worshiping you. And uh, Esau, is it Esau or Esau, I think. But anyway, the, the whole um, idea of the, the sort of temple cults of Judaism, Christianity, and how that part of the world has been leveraged by these prophecies, particularly uh, the American uh, Christian Bible Belt. I mean, who's the guy that, that's had a, a new, the uh, world is ending what every year now i think the guy's finally fallen out of favor after about 2013 when it finally didn't happen and there just wasn't any other 
listed prophecy that he could fall back on to call for a new end of the world. Mm. Well, he just needed to wait a few years. <laughs> they're, yeah, right? all, they're, right. all, they're all coming out at it now. And well, we have a whole know, this... new range of grifters now. You know, all the old ones yeah. kind of retired. So, mm. well, they made their coin, <laughs> and they've gone to sit on the Mount of Olives and uh, watch the uh, watch the ushering in. And look, I I was, I mean, we, we should, I I need to get on because. Uh, promise the kids uh, i would play but I, I'll, I'll sort of leave it on this and we can we can pick it up uh the the next time but you know when i was in israel they had the temple uh shop or, or um shop front it was basically you could go in there and they had a replica of how they wanted to build the uh the new temple for the returning moshiach right and at that time um, I want to say it was, was it Ariel Sharon? But basically he kicked off an intifada, right? They put in uh, Ariel, it was, well, one of the prime ministers. Uh, it might have been, no, Ariel Sharon was still, was in a coma. And I think it was Benjamin Netanyahu. He walked onto the Temple Mount and uh, it caused, well, it caused, an, it caused a long intifada. And at that time, they had a ceremony to make the cornerstone of the temple, the new cornerstone of the temple. And this was 12 years ago now, 13 years ago. And what I've seen is it's just picked up speed. So <laughs> we've we've gone from them selling uh, novelty shekels with a temple on to them pushing medals of Trump as the uh, image of or the return of King Cyrus to uh, set the Jews free again. And you can buy a temple medal or shekel from them, right? And now they've got their peace deal. And all the, everyone's sort of thinking all the, the, these prophecies have come to the fore and uh, now's, now's the time to... Um, that their side's going to win. <laughs> and uh, you have to think that that's, you can't discount it in part of this complex scenario that we're in because I keep going, but I'd leave it on this point. It, although it looks like it came out of Wuhan and I believe it, it was Wuhan, it, we can't know for sure. And Well, um, we can say this with certainty. There was Canadian research that we know was stolen and fed back to Wuhan. Mm -hmm. There was American research that we know was, if not stolen, provided to Wuhan. Mm. And I've heard of EU labs that also were uh, targeted. So, I mean, we can, there's a lot to go on in there. Yep. And, you know, it's something, but I think we should sort of dig into, uh, dig into it more. You know, there's, again, there's this whole thing of the tech transfer, what's happening with the, uh, Asian continent, etc., where Israel sees itself uh, in that. And um, I think a lot of these grifters are using prophecy right now to, for uh, very, very specific means, and all these people being played um, will be, you know, they'll just be dispensed with, much like the... Uh, well, the... a useful idiot is a useful idiot, and a useful yeah. idiot is the first against the wall. Yes, uh, that is a very, very fitting statement and again 
to anyone that's listening do not get pulled into what's going on right now in you know the don't let the system catch you in any way right now keep keep in the be keep in as the water as yeah. our man bruce lee once said yes very much and in this sense um yeah, look after yourself and your family. It's your, it's your job right now to look after yourself and your family. And I think that the way, what, one of the solutions that I have that we get through this is you build these, as we can right now, these virtual uh, villages, communities, where you've got multiple lookouts right now that are able to start aggregating information. And so I encourage everyone to go to my Discord. I don't know how. Uh, Evan is sort of doing his uh, Discord, if it's public or private. But I haven't um, really got a public aspect of that set up yet, but I'm I'm working on it. Still kind of small. Okay, so like I say, people people who are trying to get a coherent message out that I am in Kevin's Discord though, so you can look me up there. Uh, okay, so maybe just tell everyone you fake guy Dan, right? So, yeah. I'm that yeah. fake guy Dan everywhere on social media except Facebook because fuck that place. Right. <laughs> so, um, like I say, I think uh, a lot of a lot of what we have to do right now is prepare, right? And um, and you know, there's only so many buckets of MREs you're gonna need, and there's only so many you can hold, and so many you can afford. I think it's about finding the uh, those who have a intellectual need to see that we we can agree on an objective reality and consensus for what society is supposed to look like, and we're very very far far from that. Or shall we say there is an objective truth, and there is a way to make things work, and mm. we're straying quite far from both of those. Yes, uh, very much so. So. I'm going to hang up. Uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. Uh, this has been Kevin McCann. I'll have links to him in the down below. And beyond that, thanks to your chat for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, everyone. And I'll just uh, speak to you quickly afterwards, Evan. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um,